Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who have been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge difference to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, this is Helen. This is Jessie. You're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. I love the under. <laughs> We're like American. Like yeah, I, te- I American tend to accent. curl my R's. Yeah, and like Billy so and Carl always say that. It's <laughs> very American. <laughs> because I don't like saying, like say if I'm saying car or bar, I don't like saying bar or car. It just sounds ugly. So I say bar or car <laughs> instead. <laughs> you know? Is it a bias towards, like, poshiness? I have such... I have... I'm so discriminatory against the Australian accent. I mean, I love... (laughs) Like, I love a lot of Australian men, okay? And I love how sexy their voice sounds. But, Mm -hmm. like, put them next to an American voice, I just... There's no competition. Mm. Like, for me, uh, American accent is just... That's your preference. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you? F- how do you feel? My preference has always been British accent. <laughs> you know <What>? me. <laughs> Therefore, your your obsession with Clive Owens. <laughs> yeah, Clive, Clive Owens. Owen. Yeah. And... freaking you love Clive Owens. Yeah, I used, used to really like him. But after think... like the, the you know the last film that he had, and then I don't know, it just he didn't yeah. really come out. He wasn't that popular last well, ten years. Anymore. I don't think he's good looking. Period. Uh-huh. I don't even know how how you find him attractive. Maybe just the masculinity. Which I'm really oh, guilty, yeah. Yeah, of. <laughs> that's not good, Helen. Bad feminist. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I think the only British actors I like are Colin Firth, obviously. Um, Matthew Good mm-hmm. is a hottie, mm-hmm. and um, who else is there? No, I think that's all. Oh, Killian Murphy is Killian Murphy British? Um, what movie Maybe is he's he? He's American. He's like in a lot of movies that no one knows about, but he's like everywhere. Mm. Oh, he's the baddie in Bat- one of the Batman. Um, okay. He's like, I think he plays what? Yeah, one of the bad people in one of the Batman films. Uh-huh. But anyway, he's like got the most beautiful face in the world. Uh huh. I feel like he's British. Maybe he's not. I love Alan Rickman's voice. Uh oh, the yeah. I mean, the best accent really is the English accent, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, for today. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, for me, it's the American accent. Well, at least I. I, I yeah, just your like, preference. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of America, um, <laughs> I'm looking at. No, actually, speaking of British, I'm looking at my bookshelf here. Mm-hmm. Um, the pile of books on my table that I've read in the last week. I've got four books. Yep. That I finished in the last week. Um, Funny Weather by Olivia Lang. Yep. My favorite writer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read, um, Kyle and I are obsessed with Wallace Stevens. So, like, Kyle and I just like recite Wallace Stevens to each other, like, That's all great. the time. The Kyle is obsessed with poetry. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, 
like when the other day he was washing the dishes and I was reading him poems. Oh, um, that's so sweet. Yeah, but we weren't. Yeah, we weren't doing um, Wallace Stevens. We were. I was like reading uh, a collection of essays, like a collection of poetry mm-hmm. by random people, and then he had to guess who they were. Wow, like yeah, poems charade. He, yeah, exactly. And he got about ninety percent of them correct. So, so that smart. was impressive. Yeah. And then I have my favorite novel of all time, uh, Hot Milk by Deborah Levy. Yeah, you mentioned it over the weekend. You're like, you can't stop raving about it, but I still have no idea what's the book about. Like, I'll wait for oh, you Deborah to finish. Oh, Deborah Levy is, yeah. a, is a effing genius. She's mm-hmm. the most beautiful writer in the world. Um, I feel like all my favorite writers are female. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess if you haven't read it, it's just a story about a woman who takes her mother to... Um, coast of Italy because her mother has some physical ailments which are mysterious mm-hmm. um, it's just such a beautiful book about female sexuality and it's mm-hmm. just so well written yeah and um, this week for SMH um, in my book critic job yep. I'm reviewing a book by Sue Smithhurst mm-hmm. um, uh, and she's an Australian writer and she wrote a book about her husband's grandparents who were in the Holocaust Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it's really good. Like it's, I mean, it's not like you know, literary. It's not literary. You know, it's not literary fiction. But it's mm-hmm. like it reads like a Hollywood film. It's very so very. It's, it's like a historical kind of autobiography. It, yes, type. yes. Yep. So it mm-hmm. it it's like when I'm reading it. I've just finished it this morning. When I mm-hmm. read it, it felt like watching The Pianist. You know that film. Ah, uh, yep. Uh huh. Yeah, yes. it felt like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so gripping. So you feel like that it could be made into a film. Oh, I think they should totally make it into a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the story is incredible. Like her husband's grandparents were, like her fa- her husband's grandfather was a circus performer mm-hmm. in Poland mm. in the thirties. Okay, and interesting. The story is about how um, they escaped the war yeah. when Hitler overtakes Poland. Yeah. And I know literally nothing about World War Two, <laughs> so this was a good, this was a good story to just kind of like get me into. At least what happened to Poland. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. On a very superficial yeah. level. Yeah. I think the past ten years, I'm starting to get more interest about reading historic um, autobiographies or maybe like semi-fictions about what happened mm. in the history. I mean, before I yeah. hated history. I don't know why. Yeah. But now I'm trying to reflect back, especially I think the last part of uh, five years, I'm uh, picking up more books that's more relatable to my own. Ethnics, ethnicities, ethnicities, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the um, book I spoke to you about over the weekend, which is I'm reading now, The Great Flowing River, but I'm reading the Chinese yeah. version. Uh, my friend, Amazing. My friend passed it on to me. It's similar. I think it's set in a similar, um, it is, set, sorry, it is set in a similar time frame of uh, Freedom Circus. So pre and post or during World War Two. World War Two. So it yeah. uh, starts from the late nineteen thirties. So we followed the writer's parents' uh, journey from Japanese occupation from northern, uh, northeast China, China, yeah, and mm-hmm. how they escaped like thousands of kilometers down south. Yeah, is yeah. it well written? It's very well written. Absolutely well written. Oh. I don't know how. I, I don't know the um, English translation, but I'm uh-huh. I've, I'm preparing to order one for my kids to read it as well. But and the me. Chinese one, yeah, and you of course. But the Chinese one, it's just that I can't. Like I cry every two pages, oh. literally. Oh man, I think I cried once during the Freedom Circus. 
I don't know how the like. I think the perception for me with English will probably be different, but I'm, when I'm reading、okay. my native language, like Chinese, like it really gets into you. <laughs> can you re- can you like read a couple of lines? Oh, if I start reading it, I'll just cry. I think I took a photo. I took a shot of the paragraph. That just literally, like I, I just had to close the book and walk away. For like the whole day, I can't read it. Oh my god! There was a.、Oh、god. Can a, you tell me what what was that scene describing? Yeah, there was a um, there was a scene that she's talking about how her mother just given birth to her younger sister, and her mother had like what do you call that when you have like massive blood loss after child labor? Not a hemorrhage. Similar to a hemorrhage, but not a, yeah.、Mm. Anyway, there's a medical term for it. I had it when I was having Aya. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I can totally like relate to it.、Um, so she was talking. She was describing the scene of how her mother was giving birth, and there were there the Japanese would start bombing the city they were in, and literally、mm. all the while her mum was still losing blood, everyone, all the medical staff had to carry her mum out without the stretchers. Like everyone just, it was a chaos. Yeah. yeah, like carrying her out to the hospital, and she was helping the medical staff with her, like baby sister. And then eighteen months later, they were、um, traveling down towards south, still escaping from the war. And she was saying that、uh, there was a place that they were finally settled down, but it was there was really lack of medical equipments and all sort of stuff. Mm. And I'm gonna cry now, Jesus.、Um, there was a scene that she said that、um, during one night,、uh, it was during winter and it was really really cold. And she woke up the second day and found out that her baby sister, who was 18 months old, died next to her. <laughs> it was just frozen. She was just frozen. And <laughs> I can't stop it now. <laughs> <laughs> And at the same moment,、um, her、um, one of the doctor was telling her her uncle saying that oh you better prepare、um, perhaps funeral for this little girl's mom because she just started losing blood again and we couldn't stop、mm. it but we'll we'll try、mm. our best yeah、mm. and the writer was just writing that、um, she doesn't know what to do because she was like seven or eight at the time and、yeah. she was thinking that she will lose her baby sister and her mom. <laughs> I can't stop now. On the same day, <laughs> you can take over from here. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm getting very cheery hearing you say this. Like, it makes me think about. I mean, I don't know why you have recently、um, found, you know, the the need to read more history. But I think for me, whenever I do pick up a book of history, um. Like I'm just really astonished by how many people like the the sort of adversity and heart the 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 suffering and the pain that so、yeah. many people have endured、mm-hmm. um, in the past and currently in the world. You know, it just it really just makes you think about your own life in perspective. Yeah.、Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just like I know what you mean. It's 
I don't know why it makes me as so emotional as well. It makes me really emotional. Yeah, I think it made a really great connection to me because our granddad has went through that.、Mm. Yeah, yeah, our And... granddad. So my our father's father, yeah, yeah, was、um, born in the twenties in、um, which city? Yantai, I suppose. Yantai, yeah, yeah, so, in yeah, in northeast of, village, yeah, yeah, of China, and he、um, was born in a really poor family, right? Yeah, like I think his parents were like farmers or something. I think、peasants. everyone were not in a very good condition during that. Yeah, during that time. Because we're just post famine、yeah. and there was plague. Yeah, everything just and, happened together. Yeah, and our great grandfather, so Yeye's dad, um, died apparently when、mm. Yeye was young, and then so he was raised by a single mother, and then in when he was sixteen, Yeye, um, went off to find his brother who had gone to another town to make money, um, and then Yeye, um, got lost. He starved for like weeks on end,、mm. um, and then managed to find himself、um, joining the army, the KMT army,、mm-hmm. and and then found himself shipped off to Taiwan, where he、yeah. met our grandmother. Yeah, and then yeah, he just he didn't go back to China for the next what forty f- years, fifty, forty, forty, fifty yeah, years, 40 yeah, years. yeah.、Um, yeah. And when my friend was asking me about why I have such a strong emotional attachment or connection with this the story, I said、mm. I told them about、um, the story of our granddad,、mm. and then just made me realize, fuck, like our granddad left his hometown exactly the age that my son is in now. You know, wow, that's like fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that's really fucked. But you know, if Luke had to do that, Luke would do it. Luke's like the best human <laughs> being in the world. Seriously, after、yeah. Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> you just have to mention that. <laughs> I fucking love Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So this week, I've also watched um a animation film that I somehow feel really disappointed about. What、It's、was it? It's called Over the Moon. Okay. Uh, so it's a Netflix original animation.、Uh, I was really excited about this movie, like when they start first promoting it during the mid around June,、mm. and it's just it literally is about like the、um, the legend of Chang'e. There's a、mm, moon、cool. goddess that fl-、uh-huh. flew to the moon.、Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, I feel like the first half an hour it was interesting. And the whole animation was set out very well.、Mm-hmm. It feels really advanced, you know. It's not tacky,、mm. but it was really disappointing after the thirty minute. You know, the the story is not well constructed. It just feels like a very prototype. Like the、mm. girl lost her mom, and she's trying to overcome grief. Yeah, and she's clinging on this idea of traveling to the moon. Because that's her mum's favorite story, and she believes Tang'e, the moon goddess, do exist.、Um, somehow, that the journey of the whole、uh, movie, from the from her way of crafting the rocket, traveling to the moon, and once she re- arrived the moon, you know, the whole disappointment came in. You know, the animation of the scene of the moon feels really, really weird. There's like Candy Crush looking like. Mooncake shape minions, 
And there's three chicken characters that look 90% like Angry Birds. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> and the music just, it was just really strange when the Chang'e Moon Goddess first came out. She was presenting herself singing like a disco pop type of music and she was doing mm. Rihanna style of mm. dance. Mm. Throughout the movie, there's like a um, couple of songs that popped up as well, but there were lyrics that uh, were saying in Chinese Mandarin, but I have no idea what was, I, I don't know yeah. what was there, what, what was she singing, but you have, you know, the caption underneath. <laughs> Yeah, it's just says Chinese singing, singing in Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, uh, no, they aren't. <laughs> yeah, that often happens actually in films. Yeah. But overall, I think I might have too much expectation for the film. Um, so it's set in China, is it? Yeah, it's set in China. Okay, There's but it's review. in English. Yeah, it's in English. There's a review by New York Times, uh, Natalia Winkleman. Um, oh, she okay. said it better than me. She says that similar to Coco, the Pixar movie, the Pixar story, this film most resemble. Over the Moon used Bayon folklore to explore child's grip, grappling with death, but this movie's gaudy and gener generic attempt at interstellar whimsy can only dream of reaching the visual fantasy heights of Coco. Um, even the music was really similar to Coco that I mm. felt kind of like... What, Hispanic? Latino? I'm no, sure it's the, the melody. The melody. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But it seemed it does seem like it's having good reviews among a lot of animation. Watchers. Did you watch it with your daughter Aya? Yeah, I watch it with Aya. I, How I did like, Aya? Thirty minutes into, it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch it now. Yeah. Did Aya like she, it? Yeah, she liked it. Like, of That's course, nice. because there's the central character is a girl. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was a disaster, but it was just really disappointing. Yeah, I'm yeah. so sick of the dead mother trope. I swear, yeah. everything, the every single trope. movie you see now is like dead mum died, wife died. The other day, Sal, like the other week, well, actually, no, whenever I spoke to Sally last, there was once when Sally and I were in the movies and then there was mm -hmm. this movie, um, sh there was a trailer for Liam Neeson's latest movie, which is like something like Made in Italy or something uh -huh. or something about Italy and it's about this white dude who goes back to Tuscany to um, to revive a, uh, a vineyard that his wife, his mother had. Uh -huh. And his mother is now dead. And, uh -huh. you know, his dad is Liam Neeson. And okay. then Sally turns over to me and she's like, what's with um, Liam Neeson and dead wives? Dead yeah. wives. And then we were like, oh, but like, which is like a touchy subject because in real life, Natasha Richardson, uh -huh. his wife died like oh, a long yeah. time, not a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago uh -huh. in a freak accident, skiing mm -hmm. accident, which oh, was really accident. tragic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, but, um, but I mean, just like narratively speaking in like, what's, what's with Hollywood and needing to kill off mothers. Yeah. It's so misogynist, I think. And it seems you know? like it's happening in, um, Hollywood Asian films, like uh, what, what's it called? Maybe uh, baby, the, maybe may be my baby or something. What's yeah. It? With um, Ali Wong. Oh yeah, always yeah. be my maybe or something. Yeah, the, yeah. What's his that name? That had a dead the, wife. Yeah, um, and also, um, what's the name? To all the boys I love, or to the boys? Oh yeah, there, there's that one. Yeah, that one had a dead wife. Her mother passed away. Yeah, and also the half of it. The half of it. The mum was dead. Oh the my god! Dead, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and also, um, um. Oh no, no, no! I was gonna say, um, that dance film that we talked about. But no, work it. But that work it. the the, the mum didn't die. The dad died. The dad. <laughs> yeah. There's always a dead parent. 
It's, it's almost, almost like, like you Hollywood have to have a sympathy for the character. Yeah, exactly. That's the easiest parent. way for Hollywood to like imbue us with, um, make us feel sorry for the character, or like it's a way to make the character interesting to say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they've faced adversity. Which you know, like I'm not saying people who have had parents who have died don't face adversity. I'm just like that's not a very interesting way to make someone interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. all. Uh-huh. And also, um, there's so much stereotypes in the film. Like yeah. the young boy that plays ping pong, and she drinks uh, pearl tea Cute. when she was making uh, rocket. It just mm. feels like there's so many aspects and elements that stereotypes, could be done. Yeah. yeah, stereotyping could have done better. Do you think white people made that film? The director is a white guy. No, oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm Funny. not questioning his talents of directing the skewer, but I just feel like there's some kind of misplacement or understanding, you know, yeah, the non-white yeah. cultures that could have done better. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, I um mm. um Billy and Kyle and I have um every Monday now we're gonna do mm. the Undoing, so okay. that's a new HBO series, six part series with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman, and on Monday we we saw the first the first episode, the pilot, uh-huh. and okay. for all those people who haven't seen it, you should totally get on board and see it. It's one hour episodes, um, and it's really gripping. Like um the same the. The guy who is behind the um, this show is also did Big Little Lies. Okay. Um, yep. Have you seen that? I am meant to see that. For oh, ages. it's so yeah. good! It's just so good. I it's should. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, this this one this the Undoing is based on a book by an American author. Um, whose name escapes me now. I just wrote about it for Women's Agenda. But yeah, it's about uh, it's based on a book which was published about six years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's riveting. The first episode was riveting. It's just like, What's it's the about, genre? It's uh, supposedly thriller, psychological thriller. But okay. because Hugh Grant is in it, um, the first episode, at least the first 45 minutes of it felt, you know, he was such a comic relief. Uh-huh, that you didn't really uh-huh, know how definitely. to feel. Yep. Um, and they're such an odd couple as well, you know. So they're but it really a couple works on, in the yeah, drama. Yeah, they're okay. a very rich couple. They have one son who goes to a ridiculously wealthy private school where the the annual fee is um about a hundred grand a year. Uh-huh. Um, like fifty thousand grand a year US. Um, she mentions that in the first episode. Um and yeah, it's just about rich very rich white people and the the ways in which a lot of stuff in their personal lives are concealed and you never really know your own spouse. It's very, uh-huh. very, it's very, very compelling. Mm. Yeah. Do you have binge hell? You can watch it on no, binge. No, I don't have binge. Okay. Well, I don't yeah, either. Maybe. That's why I go over to yeah. Billy's. I place. should go over to Billy and go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you live closer, <laughs> yeah. we would totally invite you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about Helen's. Helen will take us through today's topic. Fantastic. Hey guys, it's ba- we're back. It's Hi. back. What's <laughs> back? back. <laughs> Everyone's back. <laughs> so Helen, take us mm-hmm. through what you want to talk about today. Okay, so our main topic this week is language dis- discrimination. Um, before we get into the two pieces of news that I want to talk about, mm. with language, something really irked me terribly for the past, I don't know, decades, is that, yeah. okay, I, I, I'm really hoping everyone would correct the word bubble tea or bar to pelty. So you don't want people to say bubble tea? I, I don't 
Why is that? I feel like he's very anglicized. I mean, it's I mean it's an English word, but it's like the origin is not really. I don't think there was any origin of bubble. Yeah, who came up with bubble tea? Was it white people? I think so. Yeah, because what? Because it looks like bubbles. The uh, the earliest one. Yeah, maybe they look like bubble, but the earliest um, nouns for zhenzhu nai cha, which we call it a pearl tea, is boba. Pearl milk tea. Yeah, or boba nai cha. Like it's origined from. Do you even know what boba means? Like I don't think anyone knows who uses the word. Well, didn't. Didn't didn't you tell me that it's actually like derogatory? Yeah, it's kind of I yeah. I don't know how people conceive whether or not they think it's derogatory after I explain it. Um, yeah. so boba is poor ba, you know, it's like describing woman with big breasts. Oh, so poor ba is Chinese. Yeah, poor ba is Chinese. Or is it Thai? No, it's oh, okay. it's Mandarin. So it was originated from this little tiny beverage store in Taiwan, mm. um, mm. because the store owner wants to sell his, his drinks and make it more popular, um, he came up with Po Ba because during the, ni- eight, I think, 80s or the 90s that there, there was this uh, um, Hong Kong or Chinese, I think she's from Hong Kong, um, actress, mm. Ye Zi Mei. So she was known for her, for her symbolic large breast and she was considered like mm-hmm. a sex symbol in the entertainment yeah, industry. Nice. So nice. so the the owner like kind of sexualized his drink, you know. It's like literally calling the pelty <laughs> so tit drink, you know, because yeah, it looks like tit. <laughs> oh my god. Tit drink. Yeah. That's funny. Cuz like what the pearls look like two the bubble pearls look like two breasts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tit drink. <laughs> That's so funny. So, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like, oh, stop calling it bo- poor ba or um, yeah, bubble tea. tea. Yeah. Just call it I feel like tea. bubble tea or, or boba tea is more common usage in America. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, I've heard the boba tea expressed more in American Yeah, and boba libros. Context. Yeah. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But here in, like, Australia, like, I wouldn't actually know what Australian white people how they refer to bubble tea because do you do you any of your white friends drink none yeah, of my white friends drink asian drinks uh-huh. shame on my white friends <laughs> <laughs> just kidding like i'll see called zhenzhu I mean, nai cha or zhen nai yeah you know everyone just go and go order by zhen nai yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so if you're white white just like learn the name before you go exactly. and, order. and you might and then the asian behind the counter will probably give it to you for free <laughs> Because you're speaking Chinese. Because <laughs> you're speaking... Exactly. And, you know, white people speaking Chinese, you might as well make them the person who's with you come, right? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so... You know, yeah. Okay, you finish just, what you want to say first. No, it's just like our mum just goes apeshit whenever a white person speaks <laughs> Mandarin. It's like the bomb. <laughs> it's the bomb, isn't it? But who cares if I speak English? Mm-hmm. No talent there. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so language anyway, <laughs> language discrimination. I'm having a tongue twister here. Also called glottophobia, linguism, and languageism. It is an unfair treatment which is based on use of any language and characteristics of speech, which uh, include first language, accent, size of vocabulary, modality, and syntax. Based on a differences in use of language, a person may automatically form judgment about another person's wealth, education, social status, character or other traits, which may lead to discrimination. 
So that was the definition in the Wikipedia. The news that I want to talk about in specific,、uh, the first one is that I think I'm not sure if our listeners have been following that from the late 2021,、uh, we will be having not we. I don't want to use we because it's not my my stand. The English requirement for partner visa. Will be、mm. the new policy is that whoever want to apply for the partner visa will need to achieve a certain standard of English proficiency or at least approve that they are undertaking the English learning、uh, programs. I think it's like five hundred hours at in, in Australia. Australia. This is in Australia. Yeah, this is in、mm. Australia. So this was proposed by Acting Immigration Minister Alan Trooch. They have say that the lack of English skills among partner migrants put them at risk.、Uh, In many communities,、uh, a lack of language for particular for wives. This is the word I'm taking a quote out of Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister. He says that particularly the wives that can lead to women being put in a very vulnerable position in workplace, even at home, and domestic、mm. situations. There were people that came out of who proposed the idea for、uh, this English proficiency standard. Was from AMS、mm. Australia,、uh, the organisation's chief executive, Cass、uh, Scase, told the Guardian Australia that learning English will help migrants access employment services and help women in family domestic violence situations, and understanding their rights.、Um, mm. When I was reading this、um, news, they were, of course, there are. Organisations that are opposed to it,、uh, for example, that、um, the former deputy secretary of Department of Immigration, Abu Ra- Abu Razvi,、um, he said that it is a negative message to migrants from non-English backgrounds, and also sent a message to the neo-Nazi and white supremacy groups and people who might vote for Pauline Hanson, that the government doesn't really like migrants. From the wrong places. My feeling about this news is that it is certainly there's racist elements in it,、mm. because and also sexist. I think women with when they're talking about employment and also resources to access if you're in a vulnerable situation. I think、mm. even for women with great perfect English proficiency. They, some of them, I don't know the percentage, but the employment access and resources access shouldn't be judged by your English proficiency. You know、mm. that woman out there with great English level, they probably can't get jobs as well, and they still face、mm. domestic violence situation.、Mm. Um, I feel that the government, which is you know what liberal usually do, the conservatives. That they do not look at the core problem, like for example, the pay disparity between genders and industry. You rather pick on the minorities, you know. In in this case, the non-English speakers.、Mm. I mean, firstly, that Australia does not have an official language, and you cannot discriminate people of what language they speak. Um. Yeah. And I think at the moment we have a lot of multilingual resources that has been established established for. Those whose first language is not English, it's kind of like discriminating against them. 
and also who assumes that like who who defines what the standard should be it's those up on the political the yeah, one course. with political power i feel like it's like a it's a politic play i feel like the layer of racism is assuming that people who do not have uh, a specific english proficiency they don't work or and they claim welfare you know the world a whole welfare queen the discourse yeah. and the stereotype that made up by ronald reagan the prototypes that prototypes that created by politicians to enforce a certain image of immigrants on this subject i encourage everyone to read political mind <laughs> yeah what's what's that uh it's a book um, political mind by george larkov this is on his chapter nine that they talk about how uh ronald reagan they he made up a stereotype of black african american woman that is a welfare queen that mm. she doesn't work she claims yeah. she uses uh, a lot of fake names to claim welfare but when the journalist went to go and trying to fact check you know that kind of people do not exist yeah so the politicians like yeah. creating the image for people to believe that okay your skin color and you don't speak english so they put an equal sign of those people of not working and cheat on the welfare system yeah good old ronald reagan <laughs> yeah yeah i wrote a piece this week for women's gender about um the limited resources that women on and they tend to do and they tend to to be women um they do tend to be women um women on temporary visas mm. migrant visas um and how uh, often they you know like there was a story in, in the documentary that i cover about um a ukrainian woman who goes online and falls in love with a man who lived in australia mm-hmm. and then she moved to australia because she fell in love with him um and then soon after she joins him in Australia he becomes very abusive and controlling and then mm. she found it hard to access you know support here in Australia for a host of reasons and i my first response and my sustained response has been um i don't know how to stop that i mean how do you stop people from falling in love you can't right that's right yeah you can't stop domestic violence as long as women fall in love with men Mm-hmm. There will always be domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I th- oh no, actually I should rescind that comment. That's quite violent. Um I fear that as long as women fall in love with men, uh there will always be domestic violence. As long as we have the standard historical um notions of masculinity, mm-hmm. um domestic violence will always be around. Mm-hmm. I think we just I think I think that we just need to change um we need to change how men think of themselves as men. Mm-hmm. Which means, like, if I take that argument to its nth degree, which means that one day I hope uh, my grandchildren's grandchildren will live in a world where there is no sex or gender, where, like, there's just no gender. Okay. Like, I, I really think that would be a much better world. Mm-hmm. I think it's Fucking just... men hit women because they f- need to feel like men. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, a, like, this kind of socially constructed idea of power to oppress someone else that makes you a man or is mm. that is that am i on the right track yeah i mean like what i'm saying is obviously not 100% because you know um lesbians hit each other 
gay people mm-hmm. hit each other. So it's not, you know, it's not a exclusively hetero cis male thing, but um, it's primarily mm-hmm. a cis help physical male violence thing. Yeah, and verbal yeah. violence as yeah. well. Mm. <sighs> what was the second okay. story that you wanted to talk about? So the about? second story is uh, about a primary school in Melbourne, Footscray. Yeah. Oh, Did yes. I pronounce it right? Footscray or Footscray? Footscray. Footscray, okay. Yeah, where, where the legendary Alice yeah. Pung is from. Uh, Footscray um, primary school that according to uh, the Guardian's media outlet, that they had the school has announced that they will be switching. Oh, originally, that it is a bilingual school of English and Vietnamese, but recently the school has announced that it is switching to Italian and English bilingual school. Um, because, yeah, they say that because it's due to the suburbs demographic change. However, some oh. parents say that they were never consulted. Okay. And mm. they were saying that the school was saying that because there's a shortage of Vietnamese uh, language teachers and they had a desire oh. to adopt a Latin based language that is easier for the students. So the school had decided to um, switch Vietnamese to Italian. Um, Mm. Of course, we all know that bilingual schools are becoming more common in Australia, but they still remain very rare. Um, supporters had said that uh, the Footscray's Vietnamese program is the only one of its kind in Australia. It started as a part of Victorian government to push across 12 schools back in 1997. Vietnamese mm. was obvious choice given to the fact that the areas there were one in ten residents that claims to be to have Vietnamese um, heritage. The program was popular and guard, garnered uh, national media coverage. But in recent years, even the supporters say that it start feels like there's a fade. You know, it's fading away. Um, mm. The school reported that they lost uh, eight teachers in 2016. Some blame that there's lack of support mm. among leadership. You know, the class, the class hours in Vietnamese has been reduced in recent years. Um, so what do you think? I feel like this is a similar situation to white, nice white parents. You know, the podcast that we mentioned before about how yeah. a group of white parents that wants to send their kids to a school that was predominantly with more people, yeah, black, black people. or people of colour, yeah. but they want yeah. they get to decide what the programme, oh, they want, they yeah. want to change the programmes, that's... Control the curriculum. Yeah, like they, have, they, want, they have the power, or they think they have the power to determine what language is taught or learned at school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly concerning considering that obviously uh, there are more Vietnamese people in Footscray than Italians, mm, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure whether or not that in itself is a measure of what should what ought to be um, taught to students, right? Like for mm. example, um, a lot of the most wealthy private schools in Sydney teach Mandarin mm-hmm. now to their mm-hmm. kids in primary school because that's like the it language in the last ten years, I'd say, since K Rod made it fashionable. <laughs> um, uh, but but you know, like most of these uh, private schools are like white people. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure whether or not the demographic should necessarily lead to determine what language one, you know, a cohort of students mm-hmm. learns. Um, but there definitely seems to be a hierarchy in terms of what is fashionable and what yeah, isn't. Yeah. 
um, like um, the European languages are mostly seen as more fashionable than Asian languages. Yeah, there's always a bias. Uh, like I there's have a hierarchy yeah, like, um, or status. Definitely, yeah. I have. I think the, my closest girlfriend, my closest female friends are all. Uh, my closest female friends are m- like five out of, like six out of ten of them went to private schools, and they're white and they all speak fluent mm-hmm. French. Like French was the language that that, that mm. they did. And I find that very interesting. Because it's considered um, as a posh, sophisticated, it's cool. yeah, it's sexy posh, it's cool. language. It's, there's a yeah, it's um, language has a class. Mm. Yes, yes. And French is up there. French and Latin, Greek. Well, who speaks Latin? Any of now? the classical no languages. No one communicating that. Well, no, yeah. you don't speak Latin. You just study it and you know <laughs> pretend like that you're you, high up there. <laughs> well, you use it like you use it as a flex. You know, it's like a large penis. <laughs> When you're talking about a specific medical term or like a plant's name. Oh, no, I was just thinking like if you're at a party and someone says, oh, yeah, I studied Latin at Cambridge, I would have just like started stripping myself off and (laughs) asked a guy back home or something. That's how sexy Latin is. Um, But, yeah, uh, I think it's concerning, Mm. definitely. You know Um, what? This news, yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, this God, news. Nam. By the way, Nam. I'm gonna stop using <laughs> Melbourne that term and call it by its proper and Indigenous mm-hmm. Aboriginal name. N A A R M. Nam. Nam. The new principal just started this year. What? Yes, and that's how I think this is controversy because when you have a new principal, a new leadership, and then you overhaul the all what yeah. happened in the past, um, oh, I think yeah. people. Everyone hates you. <laughs> I think when people saying that, you know, oh, language is just a tool for communication, but no, I don't think so. It's like a political tour to to establish oh, exposure. Everything is yeah, political. Identity yeah. to a certain democratic. Sport is a sport is yeah. political. Everything is political. It's not just a communication. I feel like it's a sense of identity for many people, and also self acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say also in Australia, compared to say in the States or the Europe, especially in Europe, um, there is no deep emphasis on requiring another language. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's standard if you live in Europe that you would speak at least three languages, mm-hmm. I'd say. Seriously, at least. Um, like fluent in one or two, basic in maybe an extra. Um, in America, um, Hispanics, you know, like a lot of languages, a lot of colleges and high schools teach Spanish because they have a higher portion of Spanish mm-hmm. population. In Australia, like we just don't have that culture of requiring to speak another language. It's almost like I think that's part of why I'm so disappointed in this country. Like we're so lazy compared to our na- like compared to the community in the around the globe. Mm-hmm. We're like so. We're like the lazy uncle at the barbecue at Christmas in the summer holiday <laughs> that just like lounges around on the side of the on the side of the pool and the just doesn't help hand. out or does, yeah and like expects people to know his language and like expects yeah. food to be brought to him and it's just complacent. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and also, I think Australia only does the the reason that um, the second language is promoted or encouraged in high schools would be the language that Australia is doing a specific trade yeah, or economic trade, interest. Yeah. I think in the back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, my husband Sean said that there were um, Indonesian, that he, was yeah, put, it was a big, a big push, push yeah, for Indonesian. Yeah. And then, you know, late 90s and the beginning of 2000, it was Japanese and now it's Chinese. 
Yeah. 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 Um, so to finish up, you know, this discussion of the primary school, yeah. the controversy, bilingual school debate, um, there's a petition on change.org. Um, so we want to continue mm. to support the bilingual uh, Vietnamese program in Footscray. So cool. I'll have a link mm-hmm. in our show notes. So I urge everyone to check it out. You know, have a look if you think that this was the similar, you, you take the similar stand, you know, sign the petition. Let's take a break. Hey guys, we're back. Helen, what, what, what's the final things you wanted to say in regards to this topic? Okay, so there are two things that I want to mention. Um, one is the, yeah, <laughs> we had uh, Harriet that mentioned, like who she raised the, the, the idea of talking about language mm-hmm. discussion, mm-hmm. Uh, like why white people speaking non, uh, non-Caucasian language, you know, the response of the public when they're in like Asian countries. Mm-hmm. And why do they get more praise? Because the reality, you mentioned earlier that how our mum went um, apeshit when there's white people speaking Chinese. Yeah. Um, I just remember that, like my experience back in uh, high school, you know, you have like Japanese students visiting like every year. Yeah. and Exchange students. Um, what do they call it? Yeah, ex- exchange students or just like um, sister schools oh, that yeah. they have their students coming for like two weeks or a week. Um I found that Japanese students are often intoxicated at the sight of the Caucasian students that can just utter the word konnichiwa. Oh my god, yeah. And whereas other Asian, like Australian Asian students who can hold a decent Japanese conversation were sidelined. Are you serious? That is so yeah, fucking yeah, racist. True. Wow. It's true. That is incredible. Like that's and white privilege like, there, man. That is white fucking yeah, privilege. Yeah. They can just they just say konnichiwa and all the <gasps> Japanese girls like yeah. oh my god you know what this reminds me of what um, this reminds me of something that I have been feeling lately um, that I feel like really 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 upset about so mm-hmm. when I was at Emma's over the weekend um, and in Lura um, we went to the shops to get milk on the Sunday morning or Saturday morning. And then there was a guy selling secondhand books on the side of the road, Okay. which like yep. Emma and I are fucking obsessed with things like that. And um, mm-hmm. I ended up buying some books, a book actually, one Helen Garner book, which I showed you over the weekend when I got back. Yeah, and, and I've read the first yeah. page. I can't continue. And, um, and, em, and I asked the bookseller, who was this white dude, short white dude uh-huh. in his like 40s. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what are you reading? And he, I asked him, what are you reading? And he said... Um, time and being or something like that and I was like oh Mm -hmm. Martin Heidegger and he was like yeah that's right and then I was like and he started talking about it and I was like isn't isn't Heidegger wasn't he a Nazi so clearly I was the one engaging with him right but Emma was standing Uh next to me and Emma Uh is a white woman and um Uh and then he just started talking to Emma about Martin Heidegger and I was like um, excuse me, I'm the person who tried to engage in with you in this discussion. Yeah. Why are you looking at the white person next to me? I felt so insulted. Uh-huh. And it wasn't the first mm-hmm. time that that happened in my life. Like, whenever I have mm-hmm. a white person next to me, I'm so aware of how much more power that they have. And the space they take Yes, up. exactly. And the thing is, it's not their fault. Fucking it's not hell. their fault. Like, Emma... 
Well, all my white friends are like fucking woke. I love them, mm. um, but I just hate. But it's the person who's conducting the yeah, conversation, like, I... not towards exactly. you rather than the person it's, next to yeah. you. Yeah, and like the other day, we um we had like housemate interviews, right? Because we need to find a new housemate. Mm. Same thing happened. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened. A white guy comes in. I ask him questions about his job, and then he starts answering my my white my friend who's white who I live with, um, sitting next to me, and I was like. Dude, I'm the, like I asked the question. Why are you looking at someone else? Mm. It's, mm. So yeah, it's so insulting. It's so fucking. Insulting. It's like, are you trying to like? It's just so um rude. It's so rude. It is. It and is. I, I think that they yeah. deliberately try to do it as a, some sort of power thing. They do. <sighs> it is. It is a power thing. Or oh, just like trying to. Oh, bully mao. Like, it's not so, so incredibly bully mao. Yeah. Fuck. I don't think it's so much um as ignore, but it's like deliberately deliberately presenting the idea of you're not worthy of what I'm going to talk about or what I'm going to say. So I'm going to direct my conversation to to that person. Even though I was the one who... I think it happens so often at workplace as well. Yeah. I think it happens at workplace as well. Yeah. Well, anyway, coming back to... Mm. That that was a a great experience that you share. Yeah. I think it happens so often. Mm. Yeah. Well, coming back to the um, language, I think Asian diasporas in Western countries are often hold to a higher standard of language abilities. I mean, we're expected to speak the local language, i.e. English, and still perfect our native language. Yeah. And, you know, all the language that people assume that we know because we have an Asian face. Yeah. Yeah, For example, whenever I travel to Asian countries, like people assume that I speak a local language. Mm. Particularly if I'm with a Caucasian person. Mm. Like, I remember I was going on a business trip to Vietnam. People don't assume that I was one of the representatives. Yeah. Yeah. They assume that I was a trans, like the interpreter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, discrimination doesn't happen only in English-speaking environment. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in China, Just like you what know. you said with those Japanese yeah. students. Yeah, those they Japanese revered, students. Yeah, they revered. Yeah. I mean, in China, like on, on this discussion, you know, I want to emphasize that um, the CCP Chinese Communist Party has been eradicating Muslim cultures and language in northwest of the region. You know, like there's a re-education camp, concentration camp, not to mention what's happening in Tibet and Xinjiang. You know, the displacement of locals and they flooded the and area the with yeah, and the Uyghurs. Yeah, they flooded the area with Hans, the Chinese mm. culture and language, and mm. undermining the the original culture and language. With a mentality, very it's just exactly like the colonization and mm. denies when they're being called out by international organization. You know, I think yeah, this is definitely another episode if we have time in the future. You yeah, know, like culture cleansing, genocide, etc. Yeah, well, heavy topic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a listener that shared her experience of language discrimination. Um, the account name is Blue Sky Warm Sea from Instagram. Um, I don't know which pronoun to use, so I'm just gonna use they. Um, they mentioned that a couple, a few years back, I got told by a tradie that when he first saw my name, he wasn't sure if he should give me a quote for renovation work because he never trusts people with foreign names. Jesus, um, the they F. have a white face, you know. Um, this listener have a white face, so uh-huh. yes, not speaking English in public is easy. Um, to upset Aussie people around you. Um, I definitely had that experience myself, you know. And she said that she have uh, they have an Aussie name when she uh, when they're ordering 
um, pizza or coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sometimes at Starbucks, you don't use your ethnic name. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because people can't pronounce it. So yeah. I was told, I was told not to speak Chinese Mandarin. I think twice. This is like twenty years ago. Once with oh, actually both time was with dad. Once we got chuck, we got some teenage kids throwing rubbish to us. What and the, the other fuck? time, another time was what this old dude that he was telling dad, he was questioning dad why he was reading Chinese newspaper but not English newspaper. What the fuck? What yeah. the fuck? Sorry, I I don't want to think about that. I'm just. So that's the two encounters I had, had. Yeah. And dad told him that I'm better than you because I can read both languages. <laughs> dad should have said, suck yeah, my dad's dick. Dad's a legend. <laughs> I would have said, suck my dick. I have the biggest dick in Australia. Suck it. <laughs> I would have said that. Uh, um, before we go, oh, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk about what you're looking for this week? Um, uh, on the weekend, I have a Halloween party. Oh, God. Really don't. Uh, just parties exhaust me so much, but I haven't seen these bunch of friends in like months, so I should. But that's good. Go. You haven't yeah. seen them. Um, I want to go to a party. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a Halloween party. I hate dressing up, but I have to dress up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about you? Um, I don't know. Probably tomorrow I'm going to go to a nursery opening. Oh, I sound like such a such an old You're person. such a fucking mum, man. What the fuck? Nursery <laughs> no, opening. Nursery as in like the flower garden. Oh, okay. That's cute. <laughs> Why would I want to go to a I don't know. Nursery? You have kids. Uh-huh. They're all old enough now. Yeah, they don't yeah. need to go to a nursery. Oh, is this flower power yeah. next to Orimba? No, I think it's like a private garden that's only open like <gasps> a weekend every month. Oh my God, month. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, so Speaking of gardens, I've been doing a bit of gardening. Yeah, that's, I know. Yeah, it's so that's nice. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, before we go, I want to mention that uh, if you have recently joined us or you've been with us for a long time, you would have noticed that our um, podcasts have uh, advertisement now. So we've joined Lip Media and Acast the past week. And it's an honor to really be the part of the network. Um, we want to let our listeners know that it would not I don't know. I don't know what to say now. It would not change any of our contents or what we're going to present in our um, podcast. Um, at the same time, we are also we were also know, uh, recognizing there's a trend of having more listeners of our podcast. So we welcome any small to mid-sized entrepreneurs, you know, particularly female and Asian. Mm-hmm. If you want to collaborate or you would like to sponsor our podcast, we can promote your business. Um, we would love to promote business that are both environmental and ethical and, of course, encourage diversity. Awesome. Any last words? No, do Final your words? spiel. Do your spiel. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. So once again, thank you to our listeners. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple. And now on Acast, please give us a rating, review, and share our podcast to your friends. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under. We'll welcome discussions and feedback. So we'll chat to you next week. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.